Welcome to the Serve the Team podcast with your host, Shelley Bischoff. The podcast will explore psychological safety and how it influences how teams work together. There is no doubt that leaders face significant workforce challenges. This podcast focuses on opportunities for leaders to empower high performance in their teams and enhance the employee experience of coming to work. Join the conversation with Shelley as she speaks freely about how you can best serve your team today. Welcome. I want to speak with you today about my thoughts related to leaders and leadership and the connection with psychological safety. I've spoken about psychological safety and culture as it relates to psychological safety in previous episodes. And this one related to leaders and leadership is near and dear to my heart. I first want to speak about my intention to not judge leaders and how they lead. And that's because it's not my place to judge. In fact, when we have judgment towards leaders, it creates the very problem we're trying to prevent. We need leaders to understand they deserve to be respected, they deserve the dignity and the opportunity to lead in the most effective way possible. We can't help leaders unless we first understand that they're people first and that they come from the perspective, the majority of time, of positive intent. So if we don't judge leaders, we can actually shift our mindset towards who they are, what they do, and the extraordinary role they play in how psychological safety lives and thrives in the workplace. How do leaders become leaders? Do they have the skills and the competencies, the bodies of knowledge, the emotional intelligence, self-awareness, and insight to understand their impact on others? And it's a good question. And I spend a lot of my time asking those questions. Our whole perspective around leadership is that these individuals are in a position of authority and that they are solely responsible for how their team functions. The truth is, leaders are not solely responsible for the teams they lead, the work that is completed, and the outcomes. What I mean is, who is supporting our leaders? Are they on an island, on their own, to figure it out? What are the expectations of those leaders? Where is the clarity for them? related to how they do what they do, to what they need to do. Do we consider individuals going into leadership roles as a promotion, as a position, a title, or status? Or do we consider a leader going into a position of authority as someone who has the responsibility to serve? If we think about leaders differently, then we have an opportunity to understand leadership. If we stop thinking about leadership as a noun, but a dynamic verb, an action ongoing, as a premise to the creation of an environment for others to work in, in authentic ways, to realize their whole person contributions to the workplace, it changes how we think about the leaders performing that work. How did we ever get to the point of thinking leaders know what to do? Did they come from a place of extraordinary technical skill, 
knowledge, probably. We know that in the workplace, there is a sense of achievement in moving from a position of technical ability and responsibility to one of leadership. And yes, individuals often want that authority, that power, that ability to lead. However, once they're in those positions, they often tell me they have absolutely no idea (laughs) what to do and that they didn't realize that it wasn't just about them supporting the technical knowledge and abilities of their teams, that it also included managing human complex issues, volatile and uncertain circumstances, ambiguity about what's needed in order to support the team doing the very best job they can. And it's unfortunate because until the workplace fully embraces a different perspective about leaders and their ability to perform what we call leadership practices, this disconnect will continue. Leaders have an extraordinary responsibility. It's huge. It really has no boundaries. You can think about it from the perspective of a nucleus of influence and that a leader needs to have self-awareness. They need to have insight. They need to understand what they do well and what they need to do better. And they themselves need the actual psychological safety that we often think they should know how to provide for their teams. Leaders don't want to put their hand up and say that they don't know what they're doing, that they're uncertain, that they're insecure, that they're experiencing difficulties, or that they don't know how to address a situation or set of circumstances. They don't want to be seen as the disruptor, as someone who's not able to perform the work, maybe seen as weak or needing help when they shouldn't. And isn't that the dichotomy of the work we do in the space of psychological safety? If an organization is unable to fully support a leader and their leadership capacity, How would we ever expect them to be able to deliver the creation of psychological safety within their own teams? And that's why I advocate for us to approach leaders and leadership without judgment, without the assumption they know what they're doing, without having a bias of blame, and checking our perceptions related to what our expectations are of their abilities. Otherwise, we really don't have any opportunity to influence the very individuals who are responsible for ensuring that teams can authentically attend work, contribute in meaningful ways to them, and be able to work in a high-performance environment on a consistent basis. So, let's talk about what it takes to be a leader. A leader needs to be able to Look at courage over comfort. And that is not an inherent skill without a high level of insight and awareness related to how they feel about approaching uncertain, complex, and difficult situations and challenges. I want us to think about how we can help leaders understand what the practice of courage over comfort looks like from a practical perspective. 
We owe that to our leaders. And we want to be able to instill in them the awareness, the self-actualization, and the opportunity for growth, innovation, and creativity to build their leadership practice in a way that's unique to them. But what often happens in the workplace is that others are not okay with their leaders or the leadership practice that goes with how that leader supports the team. We isolate them. We judge them. We have expectations that are not fulfilled. And we unconsciously perpetuate the problem by not having the open conversations that would help them understand where they are. This is part of my practice, helping leaders understand what leadership means to them as a practice, how they can access their own vulnerability to be authentic in ways that will support the building of trust and engagement between them and their teams. Accessing vulnerability isn't easy, is it? I mean, really, it's not easy for you and I, so why would we ever expect that it would be easy for our leader, one that has a huge level of responsibility, who is given the authority over people who spend the majority of their adult lives at work? In discussions with the leaders I work with, they often relate that accessing their own vulnerability is not an acceptable premise. And that's because they feel that's inappropriate because they're in charge. And what I do is remind them the authority and autonomy they have over others isn't about power. It's not about control. It's about using their influence within and towards the team. It's about building trust so that inclusion can exist. And that inclusion means they also have to have a full understanding of what the team needs when they don't know what to do, when they have their own questions. Now, these conversations are often difficult for leaders because they feel they have a role to play. And isn't that part of the problem? We really don't want our leaders coming in and practicing leadership as a role. I don't think it has anything to do with a role. It has to do with a practice that can influence and support others in respect to operational outcomes. When I ask leaders if they want high performance in their teams, they unilaterally indicate that high performance absolutely is what they want. And I always question them about what they require. Because to me, a leader who wants to demonstrate a leadership practice supporting high performance, should not come at it as a requirement proposition. Leaders who really want to support their teams working in a high learning performance environment need to understand that it's a humbling opportunity for them to actively participate and work with those teams in a way that fosters their humanistic characteristics coming out in every interaction. Yes, this is a difficult and often uncomfortable conversation with leaders, but that's where the opportunity lies. Psychological safety is vital to people feeling comfortable speaking up, 
asking questions and disagreeing in a respectful way with how things are going. But we never apply those exact elements of authentic contribution to a leader. And leaders often excuse themselves from the need to actually be a part of those elements in psychological safety. Leaders are people first. They bring their whole selves to work every day. They have bad days, just like you and I. But we don't, as teams, as co-workers, as individuals in a lateral position, support those people being people while they're also leaders. We think about adaptive leadership, being agile, being responsive to continuous improvement, giving everyone the ability on the team to lead and the opportunity for them to have influence in the very processes, practices, and interactions that are required for us to have every day in order to get the work done. Adaptive leadership means naming the very issues we often don't want to talk about, the very human complex problems that leaders try to avoid. Adaptive leadership is about pushing out from what we've always done in the way we've always done it. Not only just pushing it out, but actually inviting that disruption of actually inviting others to create and innovate outside of what they've always done, which then presents the opportunity for failure. And that's where the really good stuff happens. But adaptive leadership is something that we need to help leaders first understand, acknowledge, and accept as a way of helping others through their leadership practices. We also have to help our leaders understand how adaptive leadership works within their own unique style of leading others. This means having conversations, deeper conversations, meaningful dialogue, with leaders about what they think they can offer as a leader, what they consider themselves to be in terms of overall purpose of influence, asking them what they need without having the expectation that they are in a place that isn't working. As soon as we give a leader the sense that they're not doing a good job, or that we're judging how they're leading, we shut the door for that open, transparent, deeper conversation to occur. Leaders want to have a sense of belonging. They want to feel like they're part of the team. They want to share in the future. They see for what is happening in their organizations. They are also full of fear, unsure, insecure every day. So, Again, the question is, how can we help leaders think about what they are doing differently? It involves us helping them flip the script and looking at it in another way through another lens, helping them understand that they are not the position, they are not the authority, that they are in a world of action dynamic interaction, where they are making, where they are having influence. And their active engagement in that influence is required, is possible through letting themselves 
be people first, while also leading others. I always speak with my leaders about whole person workplaces, whole person teams. And I will ask them if it's okay for them to come to work as a whole person. And they look at me quizzically. Um, nope. I need to come to work and give everyone the sense I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. I have all the answers. I will use power or control when necessary to maintain the boundaries of expected behavior and performance. I believe that's what I was hired to do. It's at that point when they actively engage in the dialogue about what the expectations they have on it, on themselves and others that we can go deeper and start to understand the relationship they as people have to the practice of leadership they demonstrate. We talk about cultural change. We talk about the fact that the workplace is different, that the workplace needs to be more flexible, that we need to help people build resilience. However, we've never really challenged our perceptions, assumptions, and biases about leaders in this equation. I consider my work with leaders and teams as sacred time where I'm honored to be invited into their world, problems, needs, and opportunities. I feel the connection between leadership and psychological safety is significant and will reflect on how a team is doing. However, I feel we need to start at the beginning and look at how leaders feel, think, and approach the action of leadership. My takeaway exercise for your consideration is this. I invite you to think about what you need out of your leader, irrespective of your position in the organization or on a team. What is it that you need out of your leader to support you doing the best job you can working with others. If you're a leader, consider what you need out of your chain of command and whether there's an opportunity for you to go inside and understand where you need to ask for help or where you need to develop capacity. Are you able to lead as a whole person? That's the most important question because the answer will provide you with a pathway to asking for the psychological safety you need from those who are responsible for you. Leadership, as a practice, should include joy, gratification, and a sense of empowering others. And if a leader does not feel any of these elements in their practice, then the opportunity exists to go inside and fully understand if they are in the right position to contribute in an organization, and at the very least, put their hand up and ask for help. And organizations need to realize their leaders will not ask for help unless the psychological safety is available to them to the point that they can speak up. I hope you found value in today's cast. And as always, I leave you with this question. How are you serving your team today? We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Shelly invites you to send your feedback, thoughts, and ideas to Shelly at servetheteam.ca. 
Follow Serve the Team on social media or check out servetheteam.ca where additional articles and information is available. Specific references made in the podcast can be located in the episode show notes.